Hey everybody, welcome back to the Lost and Found Ministry Podcast. I'm Dave Garza. I'm Dave Schneider. And we are here to wrap up Dave's testimony. Well, maybe, maybe not wrap it up. Maybe. We may end up with a couple more sessions, and that is okay. Uh, from the response online, everybody out there who's been listening, we appreciate you. We appreciate your encouragement. And it just looks like it's really flowing through, man. The, the numbers are jumping quick. And I mean, I. I'm a little surprised. I'm taken back. I mean, yeah, I don't even like to listen to me. I know. It's amazing. (laughs) So, guys, uh, for some announcements, uh, here in Des Moines, Iowa, if you're here, don't go outside. Uh, It's hot. And you possibly may die. It is hot. Yeah. It it is gross hot. The weather weather forecast. (laughs) The rock (laughs) outside is hot. It's very hot. It'll burn your hand. Yes. So that's an invitation to go back inside. If you don't have air conditioning, uh, call one of your buddies to do it. We definitely need it. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Uh, Aside from that, guys, we're still, we even put a post out. If you have not found us on Facebook, the Lost and Found Ministry podcast can be found on Facebook. Please shoot us a friend request. Uh, We have inducted it as a a setup as a private group, and that's just to keep spam and stuff out of there, guys. Shoot us a friend request, and one of us will accept it. And get you, you're going to get some more information. We've got information about, we want to get Bibles out to people, man. We just, if you don't have one, please, like we said, shoot us a message and let's get a Bible in your hand. That's right. And uh, also, you can email the podcast that you can do at at the Lost and Found Ministry Podcast at gmail.com. That's right. All right. So, did you see that? I think we're out of sync. We're out of sync. Were we out of sync? Just a little bit. Just a little bit. But that's fine. You know what? We got video this time. That's we do have video this time. So we're we're sorry to obstruct your vision, but we are here for you to enjoy the comedy you miss behind the microphone here. That's right. And a, a lot of us, uh, well, for Dave and I, we're we speak a lot with our hands, so you yes. get you get a lot of hand gestures in this one. You're so if that. that's distracting, don't watch the video. Yeah, we were both uh, actually prefabricated and, and and set forth to be football referees that's and right so you'll see a lot of this stuff i was i was not a signalman in the navy but i probably could have been could have been could have been i could have seen you with the cones and that's however this stuff works and yeah know that. something like that uh, i feel like it's a why you need to stop <laughs> All right, so let's get started. All right, so we left off. Dave, uh, where were we? He just got a promotion that he did not deserve, uh, and that's in his words. That's true. (laughs) It was a shot in the dark. Shot in the dark. Made it. Made it, got it, um, upset some folks in the the midst of this. Right. Um, So Dave was not setting out to make friends. Um, and it, he's at the moment he's going through a divorce, right? And so things are, you know, you're getting a promotion, so you're kind of being pulled in multiple directions here. You know, on one hand, you got your your career with the Navy is going this way, right? Headed upwards, but on the other hand, your marriage, your personal life is Was going in the tank, crashing, yeah, hard. So. Let's uh let's just uh, get right to it, Dave. If you just want to pick up and um, uh, let's hear let's hear how things play out from here. 
So I kind of want to talk a little bit about shipboard life. Um, so at the point where my marriage was falling apart, you know, I was trying to compensate by being the best sailor that I could, because yeah. that's about the only thing I knew at that point. And so I, I stepped up, you know, we've gone to a lot of ports at this point, you know, I've been to Hong Kong, Singapore, Guam, Thailand, Australia, like coming to um, a lot of different places. I've been to a lot of different places more than once. I think I went to Seoul, South Korea uh, once, which was interesting. And uh, so I've been to a lot of ports and we spent a lot of time out to sea and I'm not trying to jump too much, but that's kind of what was going on, right? So like I had, I had talked about in the previous session where, you know, we were both being unfaithful to a lot. Um, and when I was out to sea, you know, she, she was doing the same. And so it was, it was definitely not the greatest situation at all. So, um, I didn't know it at the time, but my mom was praying for me a lot. You know, my it's kind of behind the scenes. So my sister started going to um, a, charismatic, a charismatic open Bible church and her friend had kind of gotten her to go. Um, and so my mom started going there. And uh, so she was she was starting to learn a lot more. So this is a transition between Lutheran to open Bible, charismatic, kind of denominational, you know, non-denominational non type right, of ministry. Right. And so, you know, she's learning a lot of things for the, for, the, for the first time, you know, and so she's praying for me a lot. And, you know, I, I, when I was over in Japan, because of the, it was a very hard transition between the, like, because Japan was so far behind in time, or the U.S., however, I can't remember if it's behind or, you know, right, ahead, right, right. but I didn't really come home a lot. <clears throat> I stayed in Japan a lot of the time because, number one, it was pretty hard to get leave anyway, but then when you got leave, you would, it would be 10, 20 days worth of leave and you'd lose a whole day just in travel just in travel yeah you know so yeah. it seemed like kind of a waste of time to do it and you know so at at this point you know miku kind of knows that things are going downhill my ex-wife kind of knows things are going downhill and so she goes to live with her mom and dad um they lived in shin matsudo it was like kind of a um outside of tokyo a bit you know you have to travel through tokyo to get there right and so she she went to live with them because obviously things are falling apart. You know, she's trying to get things back together. Also good to note that Miku, when we got married, she was like 32. So she was like 10 years older than I was. Right. You know, and so like that made a huge difference kind of in our relationship because right. she's like, why don't you grow up? And I'm like 25 and I didn't really grow, grow up until I was like 40. <laughs> a few weeks ago <laughs> weeks ago i just i just figured it out right um so yeah still working on it we're still going the right direction um but anyway so like she started she moved out there and so like brody could 
you know, be with her grandparents. And so at, at a certain point, my mom and dad decided that they were going to travel to Japan because, you know, they, they had never seen it. And this is like their first time going out of the country right at this point. And so they come to Japan to see us and, you know, things are horrible and it's, mm -hmm. they, they find it apparent. So like Miku kind of traveled sometimes, um, to the United States to be with my mom and dad so that they can see Brody. Right. You know, she did that a few times. Um, one of the times I was with her, with her, the other time, you know, she was, uh, by herself and, or she went with a friend. And so like, um, my mom and dad travel to see Brody, you know, in Japan and come see Japan. So, right. you know, to put on the front, you know, like she met her mom and dad and or my ex mother and father-in-law and uh, they, they stayed in the hotel and it was a culture shock for them too. So they got to see a lot of Japan and uh, we went to Mount Fuji which is probably about the most I ever did in Japan. Right. Um, that wasn't drinking. Yeah. Um, and so like they got a good uh, time. I remember there was one point that, so my mom and dad are in Japan for like, <coughs> for maybe 20 minutes. And we have to get on the train to go to Shimatsudo, which is where her parents lived. You know, we, I was on vacation at that point. Right. And, uh, they were there for 20 minutes and my dad trying to be the nice guy, you know, we're, we all get on, you know, and the train system, like everybody gets off in a quick, in a hurry. And a man, yeah. Right. Yeah. And then everybody gets on and the train leaves. Right. You know, like there's no time. No it's wasted like, time. Right. It's like five minutes at most. And there's a lot of people that get out and come in. Well, so my, my mom and dad, are there for 20 minutes we get on this train to go we get to the to the train stop that we had to be at and like my dad trying to be nice is trying to let people on and i'm like dad you need to get off the train this train's gonna stink and leave with you on it you know and so like as soon as i was able to like pull my dad off the train the doors closed and it left and i'm like dude you almost got lost you know, like, in japan in japan where nobody speaks the language you know right. that was that was kind of an interesting experience um that my dad that my dad can corroborate but you know they so we we did that and and uh by this time things had gotten so bad like my parents leave and they go back, come back to the, the United States. And um, so it's just me and Miku trying to work things out again. And we go and we sign the paperwork. And this was a big deal for me because, you know. Um, and to be clear, this was the divorce. Paperwork. This was the divorce right. paperwork. Okay. Yeah. So I've gotten to my six-year mark on the USS Kitty Hawk, and they're like, hey, um, you've been here for six years, you have to go to a different duty station. Right. Like, hands down, doesn't matter. We don't, we don't care what you say, you're going to a different duty station. And so I'm telling Miku, I'm like, look, you know, I really want to work this out, but I have to go to a different duty station now because they're forcing me to do that. And she's like, right. I'm not coming. I'm like, what do you mean you're not coming? Right. Like, I don't have a choice. 
She's like, I'm going to stay here. And that was the point that it's like, well, that's it. That's it. Right. Yeah. So I kind of figure out what orders I'm going to do. And so for the last couple of months, you know, um, things got really, really bad. It spiraled out of hand really, really quick. Um, I'm assuming you probably dove into drinking even heavier. I, I drank. There was one night in specific that I drank so much. It, like the, the bars in Japan don't close. Right. Until like seven o'clock in the morning. And that's long enough to spray out the floors because everybody puked on the floor. And, and, open, the and back or, open the doors back up by noon, right? So yeah. 7.30 to noon, it's like they're not open. Right. Right. So I drank until, I uh, I don't know, 6.30. And I was living off base at the time. And uh, I had duty the next day. And this got, it was really bad. I was, I was really, like, because of everything that was going on, um, it got it got really out of hand and yeah. i was blackout drunk mm -hmm. i still remember this though um that i went i went home i was thinking to myself like man i got duty in the next day but i didn't care right. right so i go home miku's not living with me anymore you know i'm in japan i'm in yukuska by myself that's probably a couple hours maybe two three hours away from where she was living at the time with her parents right um and i i i went home and i went to sleep the water was off in that house because i i she was the one that paid all the bills right like she understood the language it was easier like so i had a hard time paying my bills because i didn't know what to do um this is my first time living you know out anywhere outside of home you know on, your own. on my own pretty much in japan in japan <laughs> and so um i got really really hammer drunk like 6 6 30 and i take the train home to get home i get home i have duty the next day and i sleep probably till three o'clock and my division officer uh, was an ensign and he came he he got into my house to check on me right um make sure you're alive make sure i'm alive you know important to note that i had friends commit suicide in the navy and suicide is a huge deal in the navy like it happened all the time there were people jumping off the ship mm. um there were people hanging themselves um it, it was it was it was really like nobody wanted to be there or the, the people that had the most trouble didn't didn't want to be there didn't want to be and there. i had a friend that committed suicide and that was hard um and it kind of came as a shock because nobody really knew like he didn't he didn't have signs of right. it he kind of like just well, a lot of times that's what you hear, man. It's it's the people you think don't, the people you don't think do. Right, and yeah. he, and he was a fireman um, apprentice, and and he had really, he did really well in the navy. I mean, he was a pretty smart dude, and and he um, jumped out of a out of a window at one of the hotels in mm. 
in Japan and died. And uh, that was that was tough. So we we had a, a ceremony for him or whatever. And, yeah. you know, that, that was kind of a big deal. <clears throat> and uh, so anyway, that that kind of stuff was happening very frequently. And it was about it was still on my mind at that point. Right. Um, you know, ship, ship life is hard in itself. It, it's a whole nother ordeal to know people and, and, um, it, yeah. So yeah, I guess, I guess I'll talk about that. No, um, right. so anyway, um, so my division officer comes and, and picks me up from my house and I'm just, I'm trash. Right. And, uh, he, he was like, look, you know, we're, we're going to have to talk about this. And, and I thought I was, I thought I was going to captain's mass again and I had made E5. And so they do a special, you, you get, you get to go in front of your master chief. Yeah. And, uh, the first thing they said to me was, you know, you just made E5, you did really well. You're a really smart guy. You know, I, I wasn't the best sailor, but I wasn't stupid. Right. You know, right. and they noticed that. And, you know, even my billet that I got, we'll, we'll talk about in a bit, but um, they knew that I was having problems. They didn't know what the problems were. So I go right. and I stand before my command. And, the, and this one was my division officer was there and the um, damage control assistant or DCA mm -hmm. was there and he's an officer as well. Um, my master chief was there my chief was there and they were like hey what's going on right you know and so i told them everything dude and i'm like crying and they're like all right this is what we're gonna do we're not gonna send you up to captain's mass we're gonna keep it in-house mm. um and so they tried to get me to go to the psych person on board the ship to talk and again at this point, it's like, yep, I'm getting divorced and, you know, I'm fine, whatever. Right. You know, trying to play everything off and, right. you know, I don't, obviously, I don't know these people either, you know, and I don't really have much of a connection with them either. Yeah. And so, um, it, it, it was really hard to talk to anybody, you know, because it was like, at that point, I didn't feel like I had a problem, ex especially with drink. I mean, drinking was a problem obviously right you know but i it was it was so it was like the way i was trying to escape from the situation oh well absolutely and i mean that's that's kind of one of the biggest hints to being an addict right is you don't you think you're okay right you you don't see the problem right everybody else can see it but right. you don't see it yeah and so like they noticed this and and so they were like listen this is what we're going to do we're going to do um a punishment in in uh, in our command you're not going to lose rank or anything like that like i said the ca captain's the only one that can do that and they're trying to help you out. they're trying to help me out yeah. right and so like they're like you only got a few months left until you leave here right you know we're going to try and make this as good as possible and so I, I do my, they, I came, they came to the conclusion, like we want to do 
kind of a restriction deal where we want to do like 30 days. You come, you muster with us in uniform of the day. You don't have to do any, you do extra duty, but it's going to be here. Right. And you're going to clean the office. You're going to do all this stuff. And, um, and so this is the time where I'm kind of getting my orders to ship out from Yakuska, Japan to somewhere. Right. And there wasn't very many billets available for an E4, E5 that I really wanted to take. Right. And so I go to the recruiter or the, um, the guy that, that handles all of the duty station stuff. And I tell him, I'm like, look, you know, I had found a, a deal for a float training group, um, Pacific Northwest. So I'd still be a West Coast sailor, but I'd be stationed in Everett, Washington. Yeah. And um, that was an E6 and above billet. And like I said, I was trying to do better. And so as an E5, I was doing duties of an E6 or above to show to compensate for the stuff in my life that really was not good right so right. you know as a e5 i was a gas free engineer that was kind of like a an e6 or above thing like gotcha. the the um, first class petty officers would do that to make sure that a, a space a confined space was safe for people to go in and do work right um underway or in port and so i was doing that I was trying to qualify as much as I could, and I qualified for work center supervisor. As an E5, they they had to give me some sort of uh, duty that was more than just cleaning something and whatever. Right. You know, I had to right. be in charge of people. Yeah, yeah, a little more responsibility. Right. I I went to I went to classes for leadership. You know, they they teach you about leadership and signs to look for, which is ironic signs to look for for people that are having problems as i'm having, having problems, problems you know and and i didn't catch on to any of this now that i look back on it i'm like yeah that right. makes sense red flag red right. flag exactly <laughs> so um i'm going through these trainings and then i they put me as a work center supervisor for the biggest division or the biggest shop in our division you know and so um, I, I went to this work center supervisor training and like I said, it's the biggest shop. So we had the most equipment, right? And part of the work center supervisor duties is to maintain all of the 3M compliance. So 3M is, you know, the maintenance for ship equipment okay, uh, for fire department equipment. I gotcha. And so... I take on this responsibility and there's a lot of mistakes in it. And you have to have a whole book that has all of the uh, preventative maintenance for everything that we own. And I had to print all that stuff off, make a binder for it. I had to make sure that the sailors that were assigned to do these, I had to do the whole assigning process of people right. that are going to do this maintenance for all these shipboard firefighting equipment. So in other words, you've got a whole lot of responsibility that you have to do right in the midst of all this chaos going on in your personal life right and so i take over this thing this the 3m program the work center supervisor program 
and I'm I'm organizing things, I'm doing printing all this stuff off, I'm making sure all the sailors understand their responsibilities and make sure that um, for each check, they have certain personal protective equipment that you have to have, it's very specific, it's, it's on a mill spec number, and you, so anyway, you have to have all of the personal protective equipment so that everybody's doing these maintenance programs or maintenance um, sheets with the right protective equipment so they don't get hurt. Right, right. And so I do all this stuff, I get everything organized, then we have a 3M audit um, in on the whole ship. So these afloat training group guys will come out and they'll evaluate your shipboard readiness and your maintenance program. Pretty much how you're doing. Right. Yeah. And so they come into our division and like I said, I have the biggest responsibility because our shop is the biggest. It was a triple right. F shop on board the ship. So every mechanical equipment um, that was fire related was in our shop. Right. So, or was our shop's responsibility. So gotcha. all of the hangar bay sprinkling, all the flight deck sprinkling, all the AFFF foam systems that go down in the main space, all of the build sprinkling stuff, everything, um, see the the halon bottles that are down in the main space all of that stuff is our responsibility right <clears throat> all of the um stuff that puts out grease fires it's called uh pkp yeah systems that that like the hood systems and so all of that stuff is ours so these 3m people come on board the ship and if they're looking through every department every shop and they get to ours, the our division, you know, um, the art department, and they're they look at my books, and they didn't find any problems with any of the books. Nice. We had all of the safety equipment that was good. Right. And then part of this check was I had to pick two sailors to do a maintenance check with the inspectors to show them. That we know how to follow the the guidelines. Right. I coached these guys, the two that I picked. I coached them through the through everything. They understood what they needed to do, and everything was good. Well, a guy that was an E5 like me messed up one thing, mm. and you know, so I didn't get a hundred percent, but I got ninety eight percent accuracy. Right. And my department heads were like. I think that's the best score we've ever seen. Even <laughs> even the guys that were doing the inspections were like, I don't think we've ever had anybody Getting do that, that before. Score, right. You know, and so like I'm I'm getting ready to leave the ship. Um so I, I do all that stuff and the command rewards me for it. You know, I got all this other stuff going on, but all of that stuff is kind of under the table because they wanted me to you know, get better and right. all of that. Right. And they, and so I get this, uh, it's called the Navy and Marine Corps Achievement Medal. And in engineering, you know, most of the stuff, you know, oh, great. 
you did your job. Right. You know, they don't really give out awards. <laughs> Typically, right. it's kind of like, right. oh, you're a firefighter. You put out fires. That's what you do. Way to go. You did your yeah, job. Congratulations. Yeah, congratulations. You know, and then you get people that are like Airedales or the Air Wing or yeah. like the people that push papers or, you know, deck department for right. pulling rope or whatever yeah. and they get all these achievements and all these awards dude and like engineering like you're lucky to see that happen right so you I'm gotta do something big really big yeah. You, yeah you know apart from uh you know putting out spitting on a fire and putting it out <laughs> i mean superman right. you blew it out you know or something <laughs> You know, that that stuff doesn't happen. Right. You know, and so you, you get up there, you stand in, in a line with the three or four other people that are getting this. This is in front of the whole ship. And, yeah. and the captain's the one that gives you this award. And so, you know, I get this award, and that's kind of cool, you know. Um, so I decided to extend in the Navy again, you know, for another, I think it was like, a year and a half or something yeah um just to kind of transition so i get picked up for this um e6 or above billet for a float training group and part of part of this is to um you, you have to go through what they uh, a different schooling so i had to go through basic instruction uh basic instructor training yeah it's called a 9502 um, basic, basic instructor training. So you go to this class and it's in, uh, the, on a sub base in, in Washington state. And, uh, they teach you how to, ins you know, instruct a class. Right. They, they, they tell you about, you have to actually get up and give presentations and do, you know, all these things. And I learned a lot from that, but, um, so I leave the command finally. And my last night in Japan, we went out, we got wild, naturally, you know, this is, this is the last ride, this is it, the last hoorah, right. you know, um, and I leave the Kitty Hawk literally one deployment short of the decommissioning of the Kitty Hawk. Mm. So if I would have stayed there for one more deployment, I would have went to Hawaii with them Yeah. and started the process of decommissioning. Can, commissioning, uh, commissioning the, ship. the ship yeah so anyway i at that point i had had enough <laughs> I, I was ready to leave i mean i was probably one of the longest sailors on the ship yeah i mean i i watched so many of my friends leave it, it was unreal oh I you bet. know um I so i leave the ship you know this is this is it you know shipboard life is not the greatest, but it is, it, it you know, it right. is what it is. I mean, right. it's kind of part of the deal. And, and each department or each rate has its own ship time and shore rotation. Mm. So like you're only required to be on a ship for so long and then they put you on a shore duty. Gotcha. And um, so I go to this A school in Washington. Now this is this is my first time being away from my son, knowing that I'm not going to see him. Right, right. You know, like, this is it. I, I actually fought with my ex-wife about taking him back with me because she didn't even want him to begin with. Right. You know, and so, like, we 
went through this whole ordeal of, you know, I should take him because, well, you're in the Navy still and you can't watch him. And I'm like, well, he'll go live with my mom and dad until I get done. And, right. and she's like, well, no, you know, she didn't want to do that. She wanted to <laughs> Like, this is the last knife, you know, right? This is, yeah, this is really hard for me. So I moved back to Washington state and I, I hook up with one of my friends that actually got out of the Navy. He was a machinist mate. So I knew him from my time in the main space. And so we started hanging out in Washington and, and I, he, he was big into smoking pot. Yeah. And I, you know, like my, my parents for a long time told me, you know, show me your friends. I'll show you your future. Oh, I thought my parents were stupid. Uh, you know what? Going through being a teenager and growing up, I think we all get tired of hearing that. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I, I go and I start hanging out with him and we're drinking a lot, you know, and at this point, man, drinking lost it. I mean, I was just drinking just to drink. Yeah. At this point, I mean, it wasn't yeah. really doing anything for yeah. me anymore. The appeal's gone. What it was doing to medicate you doesn't it, do it. It anymore. doesn't do it anymore. Yeah. It's it's to the point now, and, and it's like throwing Tylenol at a gun shop, right? And and in Washington, you know, smoking weed is pretty. It's legal now, but it wasn't. It was. They didn't even care. Well, right. You know, right. obviously, command cares because you can't you can't do that, right? And I'm an E5. Right. I've gone through all this leadership training. I know it's wrong to do. Right. And so I'm just kind of partying. I never really, I didn't really do it for quite a while because I, you know, they, they put the fear of God in you, uh, you know, like, do. don't do this because you will get kicked out. Right. You know, they have a zero tolerance policy on this. Yep. Yep. So then, you know, I'm at, I'm at a party one night and, you know, everybody's passing around a freaking a doobie and I'm drinking, you know, and I don't want to be left out of the party. So you know, I, I partake in the party and like the next stinking day, I got a pee test. Oh, man. I mean, you want to talk about like, <laughs> this, is, this is divine judgment at this point, yeah, right? Like yeah. you're stupid enough uh -huh. to do something. Uh -huh. So I have a freaking pee test the next day. And, you know, I'm like, I the, the odds of them picking mine out of, out of all of these things. About as much of a percentage of me passing the stupid test for mm -hmm. was about the same percentage about I had same, right. for them to pick my pee bottle yeah. out of all of the other pee bottles that are in this this job the box or whatever that yeah. they sent off. Yeah. So, um, because I transitioned, they sent me back home for a little while. So I come home, and this is kind of where stuff starts to change. Um, I come home, I'm home for a few weeks, you know, my mom's going to this new church, you know, and so she's kind of, she's, I call her every once in a while when, in Japan, you know, right. like it was always very hard to know what time because it, the time difference was right. so hard right. to figure out. So I'd always call them at like three o'clock in the morning. Right. You know, and I was hammered most of the time that I called oh, her. I'm sure. You know, and so she'd pray for me every time, you know. And there was one time she told me that she was like, she hadn't heard from me in a long time. And she had called, I don't know, TVN or something like that. And she was doing, I couldn't remember. She, she didn't remember what she was doing right. for that. But they asked her, they were like, 
So is there anything specific you want us to pray for? And she was like, well, you know, I hadn't heard from my son in a long time, you know, be really nice to hear from him. So they pray about it. And then like my mom said that night, I called her and she was floored by that. Right. So like all of this is new to her too. (laughs) she's she's a baby in this and she's right. going through this my sister started the process by going with one of her friends she went to a breakaway event for our denominations church stuff and so she gets saved at that and she starts going there and there's a big controversy because my dad and my grandma want my mom to stay at the lutheran church and right. my mom's not feeling it so she's like telling my dad listen if you'll go with me all the time Every Sunday I go, I'll go to the Lutheran church with you. And my dad's like, nah. And so she's like, then I'm going to first church. Right. And so she starts going there. And, you know, so all this stuff is new to her. She started going through the Alpha program. And so I come home from leave and she's talking to me about this stuff. You know, and I'm like, Mom, I don't really want to hear about any of this. You know, she's like, well, why don't we just come in here and kind of pray about things? And, you know, and I'm like fine you know let's go let's go do what will make you happy right and so we start praying this prayer and it's it's not necessarily about the prayer right because so we get into this atmosphere into this room that she's been praying in for a long time for me to get saved right so she's been praying this prayer like i need you to be radically saved you know like i want my son to be radically saved i don't know i don't want him to just come to church to just come to church right 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 and so like she's praying for a miracle she's praying for a miracle and she's been doing this for years right you know and so um we go into this room and i'm trying to appease her you know oh mom you know patting her on the back and hug her and she's like why don't you say this prayer with me and so we started saying like the salvation type prayer and at this point dude like you want to talk about the most vile crap like coming out of you it just it just moved me to start talking like real like talking to god about what really was happening dude because at this point i'm breaking down i i'm almost i don't know there's a chance that i I, that they don't pick my pee bottle but you know at this point i wasn't even thinking about it so you know i i started praying this prayer and like i felt i needed to to just tell her or God or whatever, what I've done. Right. And so like all of this file just started stuff, confessing, just talking about, I've been sleeping with prostitutes and I've been doing drugs and I think and drink all the time. Well, she knew some of this, right? Some of this was like, I don't know if I'll really want to hear any of this, you know? <laughs> and so I'm, this is real though. Right. You know, like I'm like, I'm really confessing everything, like what scripture tells you to do, right? So like, so I'm going in this direction. And uh, so we pray about it. And like I said, I'm really new and my mom's really new. So it's kind of like, well, what do we do at this point? Right. Where do we go from here? Right. And everything she had heard up to that point was like, well, if you just say this prayer, then you're good. Right. Right. And so like, I, I confess all this stuff and whatever, you know, and and like that was it it was like okay and i appeased my mom and i felt better after doing it but it's still it still didn't click right right so like my conversion was a process it it didn't happen overnight it was something that just it, it 
It was steps. It was steps. Yeah. So, you know, I'm still kind of living this life, and my buddies in 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 Des Moines, we decide we're going to go out, we're going to get some drinks, and so I remember. <laughs> I remember going to this bar and me and my buddies are out at the bar. We're just hanging out, having fun. And then my buddy sees this girl across the way and is like, hey, Dave, I need you to be a wingman for me. And I'm like, okay, I've been a wingman before. Right. Okay. Right. Straight up top gun, man. All right. Let's go get this fabric. I'll be goose. Right. Yeah. So, um, so we <laughs> We go over and we start talking to these two and I'm my my job as a wingman to be a good wingman is to be a distraction for all of these girls is this girl uh-huh. all of her friends to kind of isolate this. her so he can talk exactly to yes, yes so yes. being a good wingman I'm I'm in this right so let's uh-huh. go do this that's right you know and he starts talking to her and they seem like they're kind of clicking or whatever and so I started talking to this girl more seriously than than I ever had at any point in my life. You know, I had just gotten divorced, you know, things are going bad and, you know, I'm trying to figure some stuff out, you know, and so, you know, I really, I really, really clicked with this girl. Right. And so I had had quite a few drinks and we leave the bar, we close it out, you know, and this girl gives me her number, you know? And so I'm like, all right, cool. So me and my buddy, Jeff, we're driving back home or whatever. And I'm like, how'd you, how far did you get with that other girl? And he's like, I didn't get anywhere. I was like, I got this girl's number. And Goose he, became mad. <laughs> Goose became mad. <laughs> and so I'm like, okay. And I get home and I, I call the number and um, I remember I talked uh, and her name was Anna and, uh, I talked to her for, we, so we got done at the bar around two, I got home around two thirty, and I called this girl on the phone, right? Cause I hadn't had enough conversation. Like, <laughs> right. we hit it off. Right. And I remember I talked to this girl from like. 2.30 in the morning until like 7.30. And she had to go, and we, the only reason why we stopped talking was because she had to go to work the next day, <laughs> like in half an hour. So she uh-huh. had to get dressed and go. And so, um, so that was really a cool deal. And at this point, my sister was going to Eugene Bible College in Oregon. And so my mom and dad were going to go down there and see her. And I was like, I, I kind of want to stay home. Right. You know, and see where this goes. So the next uh, day we decided like, hey, we're going to go on a date, you know. And so we I remember <laughs> we we went to uh, Taco John's to eat and uh and then we went to go see Kung Fu Panda, the first one <laughs> in the theater, and uh, and and things got really serious, yeah. you know. And we started really talking, 
And so my time at home is pretty much done and I go back to Washington State. I get back to Washington State and they're like, hey, uh, so you didn't pass your P-test. Oh. And so they, they're like, all right, well, you got to go. You got to go through the chain of command, right? So here we go again. So here we go again. And this time it was a lot more serious. You know, I go and I see the XO and I had actually done, you know, a deployment. I had, I got an Admiral coin, but this was after I learned that I was getting kicked out. So right. I go to the, the XO and he's like, you know, this could happen to anybody. You know what, you know, he asked me what happened. And I kind of told him that we were at a party and, and I got stupid because things weren't going well. And, and so I had a weak moment, had a weak moment and I did it. And he's like, look, you know, this could happen to anyone. And so he's like, when you get out, I want you to use me for a job reference. And I'm like, okay. And so then I go and meet the CEO, the commanding officer, which is pretty much the same as being on the ship. Right. And he's like, all right, look, we have to do, um, do it the right way. Obviously we're going to have you go and, and stand and whatever. So I'm right. like, okay. Right. They got it. They got a procedure. Right. And, it's and the, they're... it's the, the, uh, the, um, it wasn't a general court martial. It was just captain's mass. Right. So I go to captain's mast and they, you know, I, I walk in there and I knew I made a mistake. So right before captain's mast, I call my mom and, and I have to tell my mom and dad that I'm getting kicked out of the Navy um, because they pretty much told me like, yeah, this is, this is what you got. Obviously we got a zero tolerance policy. And so I'm, I'm sorry, but we're going to have to kick you out. I'm right. like, I'm like, well, that freaking sucks. And so I call my mom and I tell her and she's like, well, you're going to have to tell your dad. And I told my dad, he's not happy with me for yeah. obvious reasons. I'm not happy with me. Right. And I right. think he was actually lighter on me than I was on me. Right. You know, right. because I knew better, you know, and it was you knew a, what was going to happen. When I, you got caught. I knew what was going to yeah. happen when I got caught. And so I come in and I do all the facing movements. I'm standing in front of my entire command. And I'm standing in front of the captain and he's like, well, what do you have to say for yourself? And I told him, I was like, sir, with all due respect, you know, I, I made the mistake. I did something I wasn't supposed to do. I take full responsibility for it. And with all due respect, I had to, I had to call my mom and dad and tell them that I was getting kicked out. And that's probably the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. Right. And he looked at me and he said, you know, I, I've never had a sailor say that to me or do that. And he's like, so I'm, I'm going to take it easy on you. And I'm like, okay, what does this mean? Right. You know, like right. how lenient are we going to be in this, this situation? Right. And he's like, well, I'm going to give you 30 days of restriction, which meant I couldn't leave the base. Right. But he didn't give me any extra duty. And he's like, I'm going to waive the extra duty, but I am going to reduce you in rank and you're, you are going to get half your pay times two. Right. And so I did that. And um, during this process, I'm going through 
And and then he said, obviously, we're going to kick you out and give you an other than honorable discharge. And that sucks. Yeah. You know, because everything I've worked for up to that point, um, the Montgomery GI Bill, right. I, I can't go to college for free anymore. I lost right. that because you have to have an honorable discharge for that. Um, but there's there's a lot of benefits that you lose out on by by your discharge status yeah absolutely and so you know during this time i'm i'm going through the process of paperwork of of the discharge and um so i'm going to get evaluated by everybody i'm doing all this jumping through the hoops closing out your dental record closing out your medical record um getting your um dd214 all this stuff and i'm still on restriction when i get maybe i'm not on restriction i think i finished my restriction before i actually so then you go throughout processing yeah. which is on a different base so it was on the submarine base that i went to to do my uh my 9502 my uh my extra schooling so i go back to the sub base but i'm not on restriction or anything but they put me in the birthing of all the other people that I have to muster that I have to because they're still on restriction. They're still yeah, doing extra right, duty. Right. But I'm not confined to those rules because I'm no longer on restriction. Right. I don't have any more extra duty. You're just in the process of them. Getting just, rid of you. Right. Yeah. And so through this process, they kind of do this, the, the whole like, you know, um, you're you're not entitled to anything. They, they really beat you down. Oh, like you, you screwed up. Yeah. You're not entitled to anything. You know, when you get out, you're not going to freaking make anything of yourself. You know, you've, you've dishonored yourself. You've dishonored the Navy, right. you know, the, the whole nine yards. Right. So like, this is, this is bad. The um, mental beat down. Yeah. They, they beat you down. Um, but that didn't stop my drinking habit. No. And so I'm sure um, it didn't help it either. It didn't help it. Nope. But I can go, I can go at this point, I can go on base anywhere. I can drink. I can do whatever I want. I'm getting dis. I'm getting out of the Navy. Right. Right. And so like, I'm kind of just, you know, like this sucks, but at least I'm out of the Navy now. Right. You know? And so I, uh, I get out of the Navy, I get all my paperwork and then me and my buddy that, um, basically I got in trouble with started living together um in in an apartment so i can kind of transition into to new work right trying to find a job and and whatever and so like all of this stuff is going on i had said the prayer i'd done you know my confessions i've done all this stuff but you know really when i had said that prayer the drinking kind of like it's not that I stopped drinking, but it, it just kind of just it, it just kind of was like not even fun anymore. Right, right. You know, and so like this is kind of the thrill of it had just gone. It's just gone, you know. Yeah. I'm just doing it. And so because it became a rhythm. Right. You know, and this was my way of socializing. And I had met this girl and you know, we were kind of starting to talk like right before I was getting ready to get out, I was kind of like, you know. What do you think if, and, and I had only known her for like maybe a month or two. Right. And I was like, well, what do you think of moving to Washington to be with me? And so she was like, okay, you know, 
And um, so I move, I get out of the Navy and she's already here. So she came and like I, she had met, she, I had talked to my buddy that, that I was kind of living with, or we had come to an agreement and told him that, you know, this is, this is kind this of what's, what's going happening. on, yeah. you know, so she's going to move in with us and I'm getting out like the day, maybe the week after I get out, he's like, well, look, this isn't funny anymore, you know, and, right. you know, he's like, I'm going to go live somewhere else. So now it's just me and Anna and we're living together in Seattle. And, you know, um, I started smoking weed a lot more um, because it's like, what do I got to lose now? Yeah, right. You know, and right. so um, I get this job um, working on million dollar yachts. And th this is kind of a cool job, you know. Right. You know, it, it's really, it's new, it's new stuff. These people did like, you know, the dude that owns terrible casinos uh -huh. in Iowa, you know, like we, th this company built his, his yacht and this yacht's got two huge engines in it. Oh yeah. And like, it goes really, really fast. Like this, <laughs> this is a 151 foot yacht right. that goes like fast Just moving, moving. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah. I, I can't even tell you how fast it goes. Right. So anyway, so I'm building yachts for million dollar um, people that, and and this is this is about the time of 2008. So we, I, I'm working there. It's been a few years. I'm really heavily into smoking weed um, at this point because I'm medicating now. Because it's like, yeah, whatever. You know, I'm, I'm right. I've been thrown out of the Navy. I've been thrown out. You know, like, what, what, how can right. it get any worse? How can it get any worse? You oh, thought you were at bottom, dude. It gets worse. I, isn't right? that, that that just just some advice to people? I have learned <laughs> that if you think you're at bottom, you're probably not yet, dude. Don't tempt the world because it'll show you bottom. And yeah. Anyway, <laughs> so. I started smoking weed really hardcore and 2008 hits and the housing market crashes Yeah, and they have to downsize and old pot smoking Dave is on that is cut on list. that cut list. Yeah. You know, I hadn't been there very long and it's like, look, dude, you're a great guy. I got along with my boss. I was working nights, you know, and you know, I, I didn't really have a license at that point because, you know, I had gotten back from Japan and I never renewed my license. Right. Because, you know, I, I don't know. I was kind of freaked out about the whole driving and I had driven years, right. seven, seven years, eight right. years. And then driving in Seattle is way different. So I got people driving me to work. It was, it was very unstable. Right. You know, and my my girlfriend at the time was work she had moved up from she worked at cheesecake factory and and started the cheesecake factory at jordan creek and and was part of that process so th then she moved to washington and got transferred out there to a uh cheesecake factory in washington right you know with the managers that she had known back in the day that so she started so it was like a, right. a divine hookup. Yep. Right. And yep. so she decides she had gone to school for medical assisting and stuff like that. So then she decides like, 
hey, I'm going to try and get this job at this clinic. So she gets this job. She gets this job at this clinic, and she started making I don't know twenty, twenty two, twenty three dollars an hour. She had never made that much money. And, right. You know, I had never really made that much money, but our housing prices was ridiculous because it was in Seattle. Right. And <clears throat> so we're still kind of going to the bars. We're still kind of kicking it. You know, I'm smoking a lot more than I am drinking. You know, and then I have a buddy who pulls back in um, with the Kitty Hawk because that's where the Kitty Hawk got decon decommissioned was in Washington State. Oh, yeah. So uh, that process goes on and then he gets a job somewhere uh, while he's doing the decommissioning work for <coughs> Kitty Hawk. He's, he decided we we're like, hey, man, come live with us for a while. Right. So he starts living with us and, you know, Anna and I still, we're living life. And um, right before I lose my job, we find out we're pregnant with my daughter, my first daughter, Mackenzie. Yeah. And so I had already been burnt by this one once before. And, I'm, right. and so I'm like, listen, I'm not going to marry you just Right. Because we're having a kid. I've, right. I've learned my lesson from that one. I want to make sure that this is right. So we go through the, the so she's working at this clinic. Um, we have McKenzie, or before we have McKenzie, um, we get all these blood tests done. And they're like, yeah, we can do these blood tests and whatever. And so we go to um the doctor we get this blood test done and then they tell us they said hey your baby is probably going to have down syndrome mm. so if you want to kill your kid or if you want to have an abortion you can do that huh. and so this is pre-jesus right? right so both of us i mean it's kind of post-jesus for me uh, right because i've done kind of the stuff and i it, I knew, but you're not living for Jesus. I'm not yeah. at this point. It's it's all myth to right. me. You right. know, I don't understand any of this. Right. But I, I would get stoned with people and would argue for the fact that God exists. You right. know, and and right. it's weird. This is wild. I've never I've never done this before. I just right. know instinctively. And God's putting people in my life with with the other job. It kind of would you know question. I would question things because he'd be like, well, you know. If we die and you're right and I'm wrong because he was a Christian dude. Right. And he'd be like, if I died and you're right and I'm wrong, then what have I what lost, have I lost? Yeah. from following Jesus? And I'm like, well, I guess you've lost nothing. nothing. And he's like, but if I'm right and you're, you're wrong, wrong, you're going to lose everything. You're going to lose everything. And I still haven't lost anything. That's right. And so That's I'm like, right. well, that totally makes logical sense so like right. some of this stuff things start is, clicking some of this stuff is logically falling into place so anyway fast forward um we're getting ready to have mckenzie both of us are like look we're not going to get an abortion we're just going to go through this and whatever happens happens 
you know, and so we go through, we have the delivery process. This is the first one I've actually been there for right. because I wasn't there for Brody. So like, this is a first time experience for me. So it's and a terrifying experience. So, so, every, <laughs> so everybody's like, this is the most beautiful thing you'll ever see. I don't know what the heck they're talking about. Because that was the <laughs> most disgusting thing I've ever seen in my life. But anyway, yeah. I love my daughter. That was, right. that was right. wild. Yeah, that, it's that a whole was, different kind of beauty. Yeah, beauty yeah. is in the eye of the beholder. Uh, amen. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. So anyways, we have Mackenzie, and she's perfectly fine. Right. And we're like, what about all these tests? I mean, you did all these yeah. tests, and everything's yeah. fine. What happened and, to what you were telling us? Right. And so, like, I'm like, how often is, is this wrong? Right. You know, like, what's the accuracy of uh -huh. all this? So I start to kind of click in that direction. Well, I lose my job in Seattle, and Anna's still doing a good job, and and I become a stay-at-home dad, and all I do is smoke weed all day, right. and you know, so like, you know, uh, <clears throat> we decide like, hey, we can't afford this apartment anymore, right? And so I'm I'm talking to my mom, and I'm like, look, this is what's going on, you know, I, I don't think we don't know where we're gonna go. We don't know what we're going to do. You got a granddaughter here. You got a granddaughter here. And so she's like, okay, well, how about I come down there and uh, we'll just move you back. Right. And so we talked to my mom. My mom's like, I'll come down there. I'll help you move. And I'm like, okay. And she talks to her dad and her dad and uncle decide, hey, you know, we'll come help too. Right. And so it's like, okay, so like things are starting to click. So we have to get this U-Haul and we have to, you know, um, start the moving oh, process, the whole from, process from, from, from Washington state to, to Iowa. Iowa, you know? And yeah, so it's not a fill a couple boxes, load the trunk and let's go. No, I mean, we didn't really, <laughs> we didn't really have a lot, right? you know, because, you know, jo uh, not Joel, um, my buddy that, that I was in the Navy with that, before Joel yeah, lived yeah, with us, yeah, yeah, you know, um, he had taken a whole bunch of our stuff. We didn't really have a lot, right? You know, so like it was pretty minimal the right. stuff we did have, right? So anyway, so we started the process of moving, and and kind of right like the week, maybe the two weeks before we move, Anna's like, "Hey, I I want to go to church," and I'm like. What the heck do you want to go to church for? Like, where did that come? Where did from? that come from? That that came from nowhere. Right. You know, she grew up Lutheran too. Right. Which I didn't know oh, until right. you know. And so anyway, A little coinkydee moment. Right. So we're we're kind of in this process of getting everything we need to move. We go to the mall, and you want to talk about probably the lamest proposal in in the history of mankind is mine. Right. So we go to the mall and we. At this point, it's like, look, you know, we got a daughter. I know that eventually we're going to get married. Right. You know, and so um, we, we go to the mall and we're looking at rings. Okay. <laughs> and this is, this is stupid. Okay. This is probably the worst thing I've ever done in my life. Um, so we go into the ring store and, you know, we, we had talked about getting married. We talked about getting married for probably about a month or two before... You know, um, we actually went to go ring right, shopping right. or whatever. And so we're there and, 
you know, the lady at the store was kind of like, uh, we go up to her and we're like, hey, you know, we want to get an engagement ring, an engagement ring for her, you know, and the lady's like, well, if you get an engagement ring or a promise ring, why don't you just get the real thing? Right. And I go, yeah, why don't you? And my wife looks over at me and is like, is that, you your, is that your proposal? <laughs> was that your proposal? Yeah. yeah and I'm yeah, like, yeah, yeah. yeah that, that's yeah, kind of yeah. it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And she's like, okay. And so we get, we get <laughs> there the you go. With it. That's it's it. Happened. That's it. It's happened. So we get, the, we get this ring and you're, she, you're a real romantic guy, dude. Dude, I, she will never. Let me. Oh, you're never gonna live that now. Never. Never. That's that is overachieving (laughs) at its finest. Right. So she starts this process of like, you know, I want to go to church, and I'm like, what do you want to do that for? You know, I I, I'm not going to church. Right. You know, this is after I've done all this other stuff, right? And um, so we move back to Iowa. My mom's stipulation is, if you're gonna live here, you're gonna go to church. Yeah. Sounds like it's piling up at your door, Dave. Right. And so I'm like, <laughs> I guess, I guess we're going to go to church. Uh-huh. And so we go, we go to this church that my mom's been going to for a, a, maybe a few years now at this point. And, um, and she's gone through a few classes and whatever. And we, I rededicate my life to Jesus and my wife accepts Jesus for the first time. Right. And I, I think this was like an Easter thing or something like that and so we do this and wasn't by chance back when they did the old uh what's that called heaven's gates and no it was before that okay so then we so we go we accept jesus this was what back when pastor kurt or arnie pastor curtis arnie yeah he was he was the pastor there and so then we um a few months into this we're like okay you know, we accept Jesus. And I decide, I'm like, look, if if I'm gonna if I'm gonna really I, I knew like I knew there was no point in doing this halfway. Right. You know, because well, look this, how far it got you well, at, previously it, in life. Exactly. And so like I knew that there was no if you if I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna do this all the way. Right. And and at that point I really committed to God, like, I'm gonna do this a hundred percent of the way. Right. Like if I can live my life a hundred percent for the devil, I should be able to live my life a hundred percent for Jesus. Right. I can give you know? the opposition a chance. Exactly. And so at this point, I'm like, look, dude, I'm going full cylinder on this deal. Right. And so maybe two, three weeks after I get saved, it wasn't very long. I decide they they're going to start an in-stay level one class. Yep. And so. This is two to three weeks after being saved. You're jumping right in. I'm jumping right in. A pretty intensive class. Because I decided, you know, it's like, dude, if I'm going to talk to people about Jesus, I want to know what I'm talking about. Amen. You know, and so, like, if if this is going to be real to me, and at this point, you know, I'm, I decided that I'm going to sleep on the couch and let my wife sleep, my wife and my daughter sleep in another room. Right. In my mom's house so that we can kind of keep the marriage bed intact Absolutely. to the best of our ability. We start making some good decisions. Choices. Yeah. Right. And so at this point, 
me and my fiance are in different rooms and I'm like, all right, look, you know, I want to, I want to do this Wednesday class. I want to give this a shot because I, you know, I, I don't know what I'm doing. You know, I'm trying to figure all this stuff out. Let's build a foundation. Right. And my mom, to be fair to her, was, didn't know any of this stuff either, really. Well, right. Per se. You know, it was like, it was like. Good chance to grow. I got, I got saved and there was no discipleship. Right. To go along with it. Right. Right. You know, and so. The evangelist part came through, but the discipleship part didn't. Right. So I floundered a lot trying to figure out what any of this stuff meant. You know, I. I had gotten saved and was floundering because I didn't understand what to do. I did. I, there was no basis, and my mom didn't know either. Well, right. You know, and so where do I start? What do I? What do I? How do I? Like, yeah, it's it's one thing to 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 tell somebody get them saved, so to speak, whatnot, and then just hand them the Bible and say, read this. A lot different than walk through it with them. Yeah, and 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 it was like, here, read this, and it's like. Okay, read that. What right. the freaking heck good does that do? Right. I can't you even know? understand it. I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. Right. And so anyways, I moved back to Iowa and then I, I'm like, all right, I need to do this in-state class because I'm going to talk to people about Jesus. So I need to know what I'm talking about. So because I was newly converted, I had to get approval from the or pastors. I or... had to get approval from Pastor Kurt. Yep. Um, to do it. To do it. Yeah. And so like, but I had to get witnesses that said that I was ready to do it because right. I was so newly converted. Absolutely. So Pastor Marv um, Lombard and my uncle Chris Haywood both gave me a recommendation, a recommendation to, to do this forward. class. Yeah. You know, my my uncle Chris was teaching the class, right. which was way convenient because if I had any problems or I had any questions, I could just go to him. Yeah. So I'm doing the... And I believe at the time, Pastor Marv would have been worship leader. Yeah, he was yep. worship, worship leader. Yep. And and so like Marv had was there with my mom all the time when she was praying for me. Like he, he was knew. there. Yeah. He knew exactly he knew what was going on. Here. You know, yeah. and when I got when I actually really got saved and understood it, he was there. All right. And so right. like from the beginning, he's in the trenches with me absolutely trying to figure all this stuff out and and part of the in-state program is you have to have a mentor yeah and at that point it wasn't necessarily th- that i needed one for in-state level one you needed one but i needed one you needed one because i was brand new right and right. so that was part of the uh you know with pastor mark like and man of, i'll tell you now i could just 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 because you know i know pastor marv and personally right and man that's all god right for somebody to be stepping into the christian life and to have a man like pastor marv right be your mentor right dude you couldn't ask for somebody with a bigger heart no more power and uh, i mean that man will pray and pray when it when it came to commitment to me he had he, it. he was there absolutely you know and so i would i would anyway i'm going through um discipleship one discipleship two old and new testament i'm learning all this stuff yeah. i'm really learning a lot of stuff i'm taking in tbn all the time and all these christian broadcasting network and all this other right. stuff that's going on trying to gather as much information as i can figure you out know? what's what and so i kind of felt at this point like i didn't have a job 
in in Iowa yet. And I like I felt like God wanted me to write this book. So I started writing this book, dude. And my dad was frustrated because he's like, I'm trying to make all this stuff work. And I'm the only one working to stink and make this stuff right. happen, you know, right. put food on the table, whatever. And so which is understandable. Absolutely. Right. But Absolutely. I decided that I'm going to write this book. So I started writing this book. It was called Punks for Jesus. Yeah. You know, and it it came from a place where I was learning a lot of things. And one of the biggest things that I had to look back on and understand was I had to take accountability, not for everything necessarily that happened, but how I played a part in it. Absolutely. You know, and Absolutely. it was really tough to look at some self-evaluation, some self-evaluation of, okay, you know, that if, if this stuff is going to be real to me, you know, first thing, God, just, I got to let go of some of this. Right. Well, God just wants you to talk to him. Absolutely. You know, and God wants you to be honest with him. Yeah. Because, he, and this is one of the things I learned, the only one that you're lying to is yourself. You yep. can't lie to God. You can't lie God to God. God knows everything, right. right? If God knows right. the intentions of our heart, the only one you're lying to is you. That's right. You know, and so, like, you might as well just be honest with him. Even if you're mad, it's he's big enough to under to 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 handle that. Well, absolutely. You know, absolutely. Like, he wants the truth. He doesn't want you. It, it you don't have to be. Yeah, you can't sugarcoat it, for right? God. You you can't. It, yeah. It's just impossible. So that was one of the big things. And then as I'm walking through this process of evaluating, you know, like with my ex merit, my ex wife, and my son. You know, as I'm looking through this stuff and all the people that I was a part of their life, you know, I did some good things, but I did some horrible things, too. Right. And so, like, I had this realization, sin doesn't hurt you necessarily. Sin hurts other people. Everyone around and, you. And sin hurts society. That's right. And the way that society works is by following the rules that God has set out for people because if you murder somebody they're not going to trust you if you steal from them they're, they're not, not going to trust, trust you right you know you and lie to them if you deceive them if it, you, yeah, yeah and, and all of these things you know and so i'm learning that you know sin hurts other people Absolutely. and so i start reading the bible because that's part of the in-state program and you know one of the scriptures that stood out to me the most was let a man look like a fool so he can be wise. Yes. And I'm like, you want to talk about the the Bible smacking you in the freaking right face. In the mouth. You know, if there's somebody that looked as stupid as humanly possible. Oh, man. And you I held the card. Yes. And you start realizing that. So you wouldn't have realized that without Jesus. Right. You know, before and, it, it was... You're not a fool, Dave. You're good, man. Keep, right. keep you drinking. You do bad things, keep but you do good you're things, right. too. That's you know, right. like, you let your good outweigh your bad. That's not how this works. Right. You know, right. and and so I'm I'm evaluating myself. I'm trying to figure out how all this stuff actually works. And then I get into passages like um, James, where it talks about, don't be hearers of the word only, deceiving yourself. You know, and doers. be doers of the word. And, you know, I had the realization, like, you know, the people, <clears throat> the people in the Old Testament didn't have the Old Testament. Right. 
to follow. Right. 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 And so it like was, it was being written. It was of them. These people are living this. <laughs> Right. And God is directing them like right. the Holy Spirit is supposed to direct us. Absolutely. Right? There were people in the Old Testament that held the, the Spirit of God, at least for a little bit in their life, right. to, to, to write Scripture and all of these things, right? But they didn't have that to pull from. Right. They, they had, you know, some of the books, but they didn't yeah. have the complete deal. That's right. And then, you know, I get into the new testament and you get all the disciples and there are people that are like i can't believe the disciples they were following jesus and they didn't they didn't have faith and it's like dude number one they didn't have the holy spirit at the time that's right number two they only had the old testament that's right and so they're making these observations based upon the old testament of what that, they have learned that jesus that, yeah. is and these aren't the smartest guys these right. weren't the pharisees and the sadducees the guys that did this all the time that's not that's not who jesus picked that's right right and so he picks these fishermen he picks these fools like me the tax collector right he, yeah and and so it's like you know and then the bible saying you know he picks the foolish things of the world to confound the wise and it's like <laughs> right yeah. there yeah you know and so anyway so th these people are saying you know i can't believe the disciples are following jesus and like i said number one they didn't have the holy spirit number two they're all they're making these based upon what they're seeing from old test the right. old testament scriptures right. and and they're making observations and the holy spirit's kind of working in them right but they missed a lot of things because it what it yes they followed jesus but they were doing all of that off faith. Well, right. Right? Right. And it wasn't until Pentecost when the Spirit was, when the Spirit yes. was dropped. Yes. And so I look at that stuff, and you have people in the church today even, and, and I won't go too far into preaching, okay? But <laughs> I promise. But I've you, got a mute button. It's okay. <laughs> um, so you get the people that are like, man, I, I can't believe they didn't have the same thing. How foolish are we that we have those things? It's right in our face. And we still don't do it. That's right. Right? That's and so, right. like, I'm trying to live and walk all this stuff out without being too salty because, you know, I'm learning all this stuff. I'm really zealous about learning the things I'm learning. And Anna, she's just kind of trying to take all this stuff in, and she's not growing as fast as I am at this point. Right. You know, I'm going headlong into this deal. I'm 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 right in there, man. I'm in there like swimwear. Let's right. do this. Right. You know? And so um we moved after a while because we became quite a burden um to my mom and dad. We moved to um we moved to um St. Louis. Yeah. And so we're <laughs> we're living with my sister and my brother in law at this point. You know, and things aren't necessarily going the greatest there either. But then, you know, Anna and I were trying to, to learn and grow. And, you know, I started seeing their pastor because I felt like I needed to go into ministry at this point. Right. You know, I finished all of level one in stay yeah. by this time. And I'm like, dude, I kind of feel like I'm called into ministry. I don't know what I want to do. I know I want to talk to people about Jesus. Right. And so we're living with them and we see this this ministry at the walmart preaching to people 
and saying that they go to schools and talk to people about God, Jesus, and the Constitution. And it starts tickling your ear. It starts, it starts going to that point, right? And so I'm meeting with her pastor, and we're talking about discipleship. And this is a big church. Like, this is the biggest church I've ever been in. Right. They have thousands of people that go here. They have multiple campuses. It's not like, it's not like um, you know, like a mega church per se. Right. I mean, the, the atmosphere, like, the pastor there was so passionate, compassionate that he knew people in their situations. Like, even running into them years later, right. he still knew us. Right. You know, and right. this is he didn't forget you. You right. weren't just a number. Right. And so, like, anyways, we go there. We're starting to do this stuff. I started working at the church to kind of, you know, help out and do some whatever. <clears throat> and um, so I I land this job with this traveling ministry that's we're going to go to schools and talk to kids about the Constitution and making right choices. And I had made plenty of horrible choices in my past. Yeah, and so I'm like, this is a way of pretty good of, gig for you. Yeah. I'm like, all right, cool. And a big part of this <laughs> is going to be street evangelism. Right. So I'm going to be kind of one of the guys standing outside of a Walmart or a gas station, pumping people's people gas, about talking to people about Jesus, trying to raise money for this ministry. Um, it's very, so it's very, very legalistic in a sense. Like it was very rules driven. It, it was, it became quite abusive. Right. Um, it, it was, I, I was a really hardcore one, the grace direction when I first got saved. Right. This time, because I didn't quite feel like that was a hundred percent accurate. I went really hard the other direction. Right. Right. And so, like, I, I bounced from one direction clear to the other side where it's really You're taking it from one extreme to the next. Yeah, it's really workspace. I'm getting bounced back and forth. I'm trying to figure out what's going on. I'm on the road all the time at this point. You know, and it's probably starting to wear a bit on you. And I'm going to stop you there, Dave. So we've got you in St. Louis. We've got you with this ministry that you feel that you need to step into. Right. You're growing. You've done level one in stay. You've committed your life to Christ and you're really feeling like you need to go full steam ahead and feeling like I, I just did it. You I just was, did it. Yeah, you was, didn't stop to think about it. You just did it. Well, right. I'm going to stop you there and we're going to take this into one more episode for this upcoming week. And so we have now seen where Dave has grown up stepped into the Navy, made some really bad choices, continued to make bad choices throughout the Navy. I mean, you've been pulled through the ringer here, and let's all be honest, it's all self-inflicted, as we right. all know, hindsight's twenty twenty. That's true. And, you know, at the time, we like to post blame, we like to point fingers. When we get to my testimony, you'll see how I did a whole lot of that until I started taking some accountability. So then, you know, things start changing, man. Dave, Dave's career in the Navy starts looking up, but his personal life is crashing. He goes through a divorce and he ends up coming up on his time ending on the Kitty Hawk. And he doesn't really have a choice. He has to move along. Yeah. Uh, he gets brought into Washington and and uh, starts making some bad choices as he's he's on base there mm -hmm. and um, gets himself in some trouble. Uh, fails a drug test and gets himself thrown out of the Navy. 
But all in the midst of this, he's got his mother. Now, if you'll notice that there's a repeating pattern here that I'm seeing that you had a prayer warrior on your back the whole time. That's true. And, That's very true. And, you know, everybody out there who's listening, you know, just think of it this way. Sometimes you're going to step back and wonder how in the world did I get through this? Dude, prayer really works. Prayer is the most effective tool and, and, and weapon that you are equipped with it does not necessarily mean that when you pray it's going to happen right then and there that's right i mean there's a lot of people in the scripture that waited many many years for their promise many many years we're not just talking five or six years many okay years. we're talking many years and mine was a lot faster than <laughs> praise god praise god praise god but but so we're seeing a pattern here where prayer whether you acknowledged it or not started pulling you out of these things and not just out of the situations but it seems to me that we're seeing where it's starting to we're, we're seeing some some mending of your mental state right and where you're at in life and and even though i ended up getting saved and doing all this stuff and doing all that you know there was still a consequence for my actions even Absolutely. though you, you know god doesn't take away consequences no. per se it's eternal consequences he takes away. That's right. But that doesn't mean that here on earth your consequences won't be there. That's right. That's right. You still have to uh, you still have to stand up and accept accountability for what you've done. That is you 100% true. And can't. so we're seeing that happen with you. You've now moved back to Iowa because things really weren't going so great and hot in Seattle. It's an expensive place to live. Yep. Uh, you're out of the Navy. You got... Uh, you got your first child born, Mackenzie. She wasn't even supposed to make it from what the doctors tried to tell you. That's you three. Be, that's, that's three times. Three man. times that's, now. Right. Yeah. Right. So, so you know, it, it's another one. So I don't think we put our faith in doctors. Let's just make that clear. I'm not right. saying we don't utilize them. I believe that their hands are blessed by God and they're here to operate and serve a purpose on this earth. But, you know, the final word comes from God. That's true. And and he speaks the final word over things. So now we're back in Iowa. The family came out, helped you move back. Um, we're staying there. You get yourself in church. Well, you didn't have much choice. Um, if didn't you're coming home, choice. you're going to church. God, God will use a pretty woman to get you to go to church. <laughs> That's absolutely correct. And so they got you going to church, man, and things are Things are going good. You got a level one in state. You've got some pastors behind you. Not just some pastors. We're talking men of God. Good, good ones. Good men yeah. who 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 were not out for any, oh, look what I got him to do. They were out for look what God is doing. Eternal kingdom. That's right. Yeah. That's right. We're talking some real kingdom workers here, guys. Yeah. And 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 so now to, to to ease the burden off the parents, you move to St. Louis. I'm sorry, what you said with your sister and brother-in-law, yep. correct? And you come across this ministry and you're starting to get involved in it. And a pretty large, you know, you compared it, you said not quite uh, a mega church, but we're we're looking at those ends. But the pastor was a compassionate man. Oh man, really you good. just a number to him. Really good man of God, too. And 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 that's amazing to find in such a large God you know, placed all of these great men of God in my life. Right and, in your and, path. You know, I've I've seen a lot of bad things too, but I'm trying to focus more on the That's right. We're gonna stuff. and guys, I mean, look at where we're coming. I think in this next session we're gonna really find out how God truly impacts your life. 
Yeah. And where these changes, and not just in Dave's life, in his fiance's wife or life. My wife. Yeah. Was she your wife at this point now? Yes, she when was. You were, when, okay. When we, when, um, before we moved from Des Moines to Seattle, we had you got yeah, married. Yeah, we got married. Okay, all right. Sorry, so I kind of, I kind of jumped. No, nope, that's okay. I just wanted to clarify. So now you guys are married in the eyes of God. You're right. serving, you're, you're, you're doing your best to serve God. Right. And 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 so now, do we have just the one child, or has At number this, two come along? Not yet. Not yet. We haven't, right. we haven't got that far. All yet. right, we're working ourselves to a uh, full litter here, and that's right. <laughs> My quiver so, is becoming full. That's yes, yes. And so now we're gonna meet in this next session, guys. We're gonna be posting it in the middle of next week, and we're gonna be wrapping up Dave's testimony to Tuesdays. Uh, Tuesdays, we're gonna do Tuesdays. Our yes. Yeah. So Tuesday, expect uh, part four. To be so part out. three part, will be coming out at that time. This yes, is part three. Yes, part three. So this you're listening to, it's Tuesday, and part four will be up and coming. And yep. we're, we're going to see what God really does and how he truly moves through Dave's life, his wife's life, and and, and just how things start getting set in order, man. Right. And and just how amazing God is and how he can just take a, a misfit, just pure rebellion, and just ball him up and humble him. Yeah. In a lot of a lot of ways, and, and it could have got a lot of ways, but I think between the prayer warriors and the men of God that were placed in front of you. And and a lot of it came down to me asking the right questions myself. Oh absolutely. You know. Absolutely. And taking accountability. And taking accountability. So I look forward to this next session and uh, then we're gonna we're, we're gonna have this testimony and then coming up um, I think here in a few weeks and we're gonna start my testimony where we're gonna switch views here where Dave's gonna be interviewing me and you're gonna this, do, this is gonna be great. This will be a not so great. Uh, <laughs> anyway, so, you want me to pray out? Uh, yeah, Dave, if you're gonna pray, uh, go ahead and pray us out and. Um, Everybody, again, we appreciate you listening. And yeah. if you've got any questions for Dave, you got any questions for myself, uh, it, just just go ahead and throw them in the comment section. Don't forget to look us up, look us up on Facebook. Check us out on TikTok. Uh, write us an email. Uh, write us an email. Just start communicating with us. We want to hear from you guys. Right. And we want to pray with you guys. Give us five-star reviews. Yeah, five-star reviews only. That's um, right. I mean, if, if you really fell led to a one-star review, we don't accept those. Then that's it. And make sure you put a pray for me next to that. We'll yeah. pray for you. Yeah, so we'll that next time, it'll be a five-star. That's right. <laughs> prayer right, works. Yes, right. prayer works. Go ahead and pray us out. All right. Father God, we thank you for another great night, God, and we just pray, Lord, that this message goes out and that it touches somebody's heart, God, and that they can see, you know, it, it's it's not the it's not the people that have the most knowledge, that the, the the people that the most called, so to speak, that you use, God, that you use everyone, and that that anybody can do this. It's just a matter of, of setting our mind and our heart to follow you, God. And I pray, Lord. God, that people can go through life and live their life for you the way you desire them to, God, because it doesn't do any good to go 50%. Lord, help everybody to go 100%. Yes. And really just grab on to what you're saying to us in this time, in this day, to become real warriors for you, Lord, and to make a difference in this world. Do we just praise you that you do that? 
all the time. Yes. And God, you'll do it with us. And we amen. just praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen and amen again. Uh, we are so happy that you joined us tonight, guys. And, and, and just keep it coming. And, and we'll keep praying for you again. Prayer requests, anything that you need. Or if you just want to pray for us, man, we'll take all the prayer we can We get. need it. We need it. We need a lot You're of help. You're listening to this show. That's, we need it. <laughs> that's right. You, you already have figured this out. So we look forward to hearing from you. Stay blessed, guys. Stay safe and right. stay in the Word. We love you. We appreciate you. And we look forward to talking to you.